welcome back, ladies and gents. I'm here for sidebar as I assess the lovely multi-talented podcaster Jose T. Cupcake. <laughs> How you doing, sugar? I'm doing great. Thank you for having <laughs> thank you for having me on. Uh we've been we've been talking about this we've for been back a bit. And forward, like, oh my yeah, god, I'm schedule this and that. And <laughs> it's good we finally it's good we finally got together. Um Although the massive attack episode would have been nice. Yeah, we'll get it. <laughs> it could still happen. It will. It will. Uh, hell, we should get Tara Patrick on it. I know she's a big fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. Boing. Um, so, yeah, what are we talking about? Oh, that's right. We're talking about freaking David Cronenberg. So I uh, just thought we'd uh, finish up, have some finishing touches, have some finishing thoughts. Um so again, just for a man who's again just like all these other horror, sci-fi, even cult drama guys, uh, you know, who have just been very diverse in their career and vary by movie. Um, where would you rank them? Because you know, there's all the other kind of guys who are just beloved: Dario Argento, Sam Raimi, Paul Verhoeven, and uh john carpenter joe dante uh where, where would you put him in the mix of you know honestly um you know people when growing up when people would ask me you know like who's your favorite director like who do you, oh, you know gee, whatever you gotta love him. Uh, right? i mean everybody like would say you know spielberg this and that or what have you scorsese um, man he did scorsese fincher Fincher. Yeah, Fincher, I love to press the shit out of myself. Fincher, baby. <laughs> Fincher, I watch seven every day. Yeah. Um, but it's weird. I didn't realize how much revisiting his his uh entire resume and catalog, um, how much I really do like Cronenberg. And I mean, just the fact that the word Cronenbergian sort of like snuck yes. into the lexicon, <laughs> yes. you know, and then, you know, Rick and Morty had a little like, we're in Cronenberg <laughs> world or what have you. And um, I mean, you just have to appreciate that if, you know, your work is so out there that even, you know, an adult <laughs> cartoon in some ways is making fun of you or, or lampooning you. Um, and so I honestly, I think he's, he's one of the, better genre types out there but i don't think you can pigeonhole him or define him because no. it it's uh he's a little bit of everything in some ways very genre bending genre crossing um and everyone knows him for a different thing so like my mother had heard of a history of violence for instance when she heard a cool radio interview about it and it's like i love Viggo mortensen my dad grew up watching almost always would make a reference to dead ringers or the fly and yeah uh, my uncle and his wife you know who's my aunt are big cult movie buffs and every once in a while there'll be just a random just reference to an actor and they'll just like uh, they'll reference just probably the first biggest like 80s or 90s cult movie that they could associate it with so one day just we brought up michael ironside and my uncle made a scanner's head explosion noise uh, <laughs> yes so, and so it's just like whatever you're the hell you're known for that's just, they're just gonna bring, bring it up you know uh whenever i see just any other cold actor i'll often call him by their character name on whatever famous sitcom or procedural they were known for <laughs> yeah um so that it's funny you mentioned scanners because that came out 
in 81, I was, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I was eight years old. And I just oh, remember, <laughs> oh, shit. and I just, I just remember, um, I remember seeing Roger Ebert and S Ebert and Siskel reviewing it. I remember people talking about the exploding head, but obviously I couldn't go and see that. It was a rated R movie and it was not like my kind of thing. <laughs> like, you know, um, I had strict parents too. So there's no way yeah. one would have been, I mean, just the cover alone, no one would have thought, Hey, let a kid in it anywhere near that <laughs> but thank god for um non-parental control cable boxes in the 80s because Ooh. i was able to catch that and then videodrome which i was like obsessed with i might not have understood fully what the heck was going on in that movie but i just was like wow the the tv's alive and it's moaning and there's the gun thing and they're shoving it in his stomach or whatever. Like, I just thought that was super cool. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, I think Cronenberg <laughs> is really known for, you know, the body horror um, that they like to say, or they call them like, what did they call him? Like captain? No, it wasn't captain. <laughs> it's king of the venereal horror, but they call them Baron of blood. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, but those, I mean, those early movies, I mean, I, I revisited it a lot of his films and it's funny that he his first couple movies were this sort of body horror parasites sort of horrible things happening to somebody's body yes. um <laughs> so like shivers and rabid um i revisited those and i was kind of like you know i'm just like a lot of people say you know alien probably wouldn't have occurred had it not been for shivers you know yeah. <laughs> um, in fact, I think Cronenberg talks about the fact that uh, Dan O'Bannon was a fan of the the movie and had sort of like picked up on the whole parasite thing. Um, <laughs> but you know, loving loving Cronenberg and you know, Scanners, The Brood, Videodrome, um, The Dead Zone, The Fly. I have to say that I was a little disappointed when he took his sojourn into into sort of like drama. And I think I would I would lo definitely lump like Dead Ringers, uh, M Butterfly, and Crash into that. But even when it was just what would be perceived as a straight drama, or even like History of Violence or um, Eastern Promises, mm -hmm. even when he would just do straight drama, there was always still something, at least an interesting angle that he took. You know. Um, so I I happen to like him as a filmmaker. I I do think that unfortunately he tends to be very um, in love with himself. <laughs> yes, he tends to be in love with himself, but also the the movies are they seem very cold and clinical, right? I think some people accuse Kubrick of being that way because, you know, everything's for for his for his movies if you look at it, it's very like proscenium, like theater. There's not a lot of camera movements and it just kind of like presents everything. And it's like, Got like you're in a theater music playing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, some people may interpret that as, as being kind of like cold or clinical because, you know, he's just presenting it really like upfront, you know? Um, but I, I love the things that he says as a director or some of the themes that he explores, you know? Um, 
I I will say there are a couple of his movies, though, that are uh, the word that I use to describe them are impenetrable. Um, (laughs) You know, in other words, I've I've probably seen each of his films at least four times, but there's a couple that I just I can get into and either I skip over them or I watch them and I'm still like, I don't know what any of this means. so I there's thought a th- map to the stars was a lost kind of movie because like it knew what it wanted to be and yet it was kind of all over the place for me it was a little all over the place i think it was in a way so it's weird cronenberg seems to work in twos right mm-hmm. he'll pick like a, a genre or a subject and so maps of the stars was sort of like on the heels of cosmopolis which was very much about like you know, modern society, the decay and, you know, how isolated we are kind of in our own thing. And I, I think that Maps of the Stars was definitely in like an acidic take on like Hollywood and all the weird personalities, you know. Um, but in particular, I'm thinking of Spider from 2002, yeah. um, which was an adaptation with Ray Fiennes. Um, that one is definitely a little... I watch it and it's beautiful to look at the production design, but I'm always like, what was the point, <laughs> you know, and uh, a dangerous mm-hmm. method is a little I, as biopics go. So that one close is there, but yeah, bizarre. Yeah, and then, you know, man. Kira Knightley, like and like acting and like, just, I don't know, it was it was a bit much. <laughs> yeah, they're. He's uneven with the actors in his movies, but at the same time, like they also are just so unrecognizable in their roles, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I I think that he seems to be the kind of director that inspires actors uh, to really sort of like go off the range and find their limits as actors. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, sometimes you can really see that he has restrain them in their acting in some ways uh so you know for example um existence which was not very well received i mean you can really see that as part of the screenplay jennifer jason lee who's normally very like she's very you know aggressive in some ways Ah, and and she has her own tics and stuff like that she's very restrained in that and that i think it well there's a reason why not to spoil it if anybody hasn't seen it there's a reason she's restrained but i like that he can he can do that he can you know get really great performances out of his actors another impenetrable one by the way is uh naked lunch which it's fascinating to watch just because of the sheer craziness that's like on screen the uh this sort of like (laughs) <laughs> the typewriter that springs an erection and then the weird mugwumps that have the penis like things that drip, you know, yeah. uh, s- body fluid like material. The things um, are made of. Not not yeah. And I, I still honestly, I still don't know what the hell that movie means, but it is a fun trip to watch. <laughs> and I think it's one of Peter Weller's best performances. Honestly, I never I mean, obviously RoboCop, but like, I don't know. I never found Peter Weller to be that awesome in terms of a dramatic actor, but he's he was particularly good in, or yeah. subtle, quiet. <laughs> um, wasn't meant for, unfortunately, 
dramatic yeah he's... yeah or just he always seems to play like the average guy where crazy things happen to him you know oh, are you doing yeah <laughs> <laughs> did you ever see that one movie of his of unknown origin about like the big mm-hmm. the, the big killer rat <laughs> like, what a strange Unusual film road. uh he's yeah. been in a lot of strange movies <laughs> rodents of unusual size um mm-hmm. what do you think of cronenberg as an actor since he's done oh god from jason x to star trek discovery too. well you know i have to say i think first of all i think he's a very good looking guy and so um when he was in nightbreed and he played the serial killer i was like wow i dig it i dig it um i actually kind of like him as an actor it's always weird when he crops up in the film um in a film but in particular in particular i did appreciate his performance in nightbreed um yeah i thought he was pretty menacing and him are kind of the same kind of rebellious yeah i just i found it to be a surprise though when he when he showed up i was like wow is he's doing this now (laughs) right what happened and it's like he wants to it's having fun yeah (laughs) it's not like Wes craven or tarantino where hey i want to make a cameo in my own movie but i don't know when the last time was i took a screen actors go you know seminar right yeah um, or or their little cameo is just too it's too on the nose and it's like yeah. why are you even in here yeah, right roth much yeah yeah <laughs> um all together uh, <laughs> to wind this down it seems like uh uh just so many people like to ask him loaded questions and he's just very cool and collected i remember one time where a bunch of people were reacting to him kind of saying you know never could get much into christopher nolan's dark knight films and i'm a fan and people are just like going back and forth and i'm just like it really doesn't matter guys people can admire each other from afar or not you the viewer can decide who you like and yeah i i don't get this and it's the same deal i've, I've talked about this before I'll tell you more about this off air, but uh, I found it interesting. Uh, I think it was Bloody Disgusting shared a cool article lately on his personal favorite movie, and it's not at all what you think. His favorite horror mystery of all time, and this is recent, this was like a week ago, is Don't Look Now from 1973. Stop. And the minute you think of that, I, I was like, that checks out. That makes sense. <laughs> totally. Totally a twisted study, and much like Verhoeven, he likes to again explore body, explore politics, explore religion, explore sexual identification, and the terror of that, the paranoia, uh, raising a family, losing your mind, midlife crisis. He likes to explore shit that no one likes to talk about, and he likes yeah. to do it kind of more experimental way. It, I like him even when he goes too far, you know, in any of his movies, you know, he. He's that kind of guy who just likes to, he knows what fascinates him, and you never feel like he's told by a studio, hey, do what we ask. And at the same time, uh, we were kind of, Justin and I were noting earlier how we're just like, I don't think he really uh, ever, you know, does a measuring contest with any producers, because we never heard of Mm -hmm. any movie which he's like, I've disowned that, they didn't let me do what I want, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, I I think he gets to do, (laughs) I think, I think he gets to do basically what he wants. And I, I think that's, that's actually pretty cool. Like he has his own kind of cachet. I mean, I I mean, 
I can tell you that, you know, when Crimes of the Future had come out and it was sort of like his return to like body horror, mm -hmm. I can tell you that there were some people in the theater who were sort of like gasping and sort of being like, ooh, or whatever. And I'm, and at first I was like, wait a minute, have you never seen a Cronenberg movie? Like, why are you <laughs> ooing and eyeing at some of this stuff? It's like par for the course. But then at the same time, like, you know, the imagery was pretty was pretty shocking. And I think he can do that in a lot of his films. He can still shock with some of the themes and some of the yeah. images that he shows you. Um, <laughs> and I love that. I think I think that's great. I find him he's he's said this before that he thinks his movies are secret comedies. And if you, th <laughs> if you think about if you think about that and you rewatch exactly and you rewatch all of them they are kind of like secret comedies they're they can Same be a little Sam absurd Raimi, even when he does a serious movie like, yeah exactly if you want to you could probably find a comedic version of the gift or uh, a simple plan in there somewhere yeah not easily i bet i bet you could <laughs> but uh yeah uh I think that tracks that he likes don't look now that he loves that movie. Mm -hmm. um, I love that movie too. I had, you know, honestly, I had never seen it until Brian Fuller who created um, Hannibal and pushing daisies. He'd mentioned that that was one of his favorite oh, really? all time movies. And um, I had never seen it. <laughs> That's and... probably why he got him involved with Star Trek somehow. I don't know. Yeah. And he, he uh... technically, but my, my... right. But he, um, Fuller just, you know, mentioned it and I saw it and, you know, not only is there that sort of like explicit love scene that's in the beginning. And I think there were rumors, <laughs> rumors that maybe they were actually doing it. I don't know. Um, it's dumb, but man. then like, <laughs> but like the imagery and then, you know, the, the red coat and all of the, you know, all of that stuff. Like I was like, wow. So I think that, I think that tracks, that was kind of a, a great, a great movie. Totally. I think, how do you pronounce that guy's last name? Is it rage? I want to say it's rage, but it maybe it's Nicholas Rogue. I don't know. I oh, always heard totally. it was rage. I think it's Rogue. Okay. <laughs> I never know how to pronounce his name. I mean, to figure it out. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> yeah. So you said sometimes he can go too far. Is there a particular film I, I think and the... scene you're thinking about? I, I think the rape scene in the Dead Zone really isn't needed. I kind of get the picture but he lingers on it a while and at the same time i understand why he's doing that you know so yeah. i think it's all based on our own sensibilities absolutely absolutely um but as we said before he's he's not the same as say a simple person who makes you know schlocky or exploitation stuff he's just a b-movie guy who happens to make very compelling atmospheric stuff where you actually feel the jolt feel the yeah you feel the fill. <laughs> And I like that he has such a narrative style that, you know, uh, everything is very planned and meticulous. All the images that you see are mm -hmm. there for a reason. And so even something as even something as simple as, you know, Vigo Morton and Mortensen naked fighting in a sauna, you know, <laughs> it's in service of the story. But in a way, it also you know, it just reinforces the themes about... He's not afraid to explain anything. Yeah. He's 
fearless on whether or not you might say, hey, that sounds ridiculous. What did you think of Crimes of the Future, by the way? His most I, recent. I had no issue with it. I thought it was very to the point and straightforward. Um, it kind of left you want a little more. Uh, both me and Jason were like, yeah, wait, this could we kind of want it to be an anthology. <laughs> I know. Or like a or like a television series would be great. Just because there was so there was I think there were so many ideas. He jam packed a lot in there. I I did kind of enjoy this idea of us evolving and being our own recyclers in some ways like you know how the characters were like eating the plastic which was building up everywhere and it's sort of like it's sort of like oh great maybe we can evolve as humans and just recycle the environment <laughs> and make it better you know um we're all, yeah, again, we're all I, eating waste and while we're wasting away yeah yeah, it was. Uh, there was many, many interesting things about that film that I kind of dug. A thousand percent. So yeah. his son Brandon's uh, film uh, Possessor can be now seen on Hulu, and it's the fully uncut version. But to my knowledge, and when watching it, I felt like it was a loose sequel to Existence. Yeah, totally. It's a, it's a partial cyberpunk kind of corporation filler, and a man just going insane and questioning what's actually inside his mind. Yeah, I love Possessor. I would, you know, to anybody listening to this, do not see the R film. Seek out the seek out the uncut one because it's it's. I mean, I saw the full I thing. Was there is there really any much difference between either cut? Um, I I think I think there's more blood. Um, I, there I may be lots of graphic shit. So. <laughs> there may be a little bit more of the of the full frontal too. I think. I don't, um, I don't know if they sex, so I don't know. show that. And there's, yeah, of course there's sex. They might've extended some stuff, but um, you know, I don't know. The uncut is, is great. <laughs> I love the way that it was shot. I mean, like his, oh, yeah. like his father, he very much uh, knows how to uh, visually narrate stuff. Like I, I thought it was fantastic and it has a gut punch of an ending too, you know, especially after they set up everything and then you realize what's happening. It's uh, it's a great ending. I did. I wasn't quite as taken by Brandon Cronenberg's first film, um, Antiviral. Was it Antiviral? It's kind of like earlier Cronenberg, where it's a very slow kind of build up. Yeah. Um, I just I just dug that actor mainly. I mean, and the other female lead. I've seen them in a few other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love the lead. Um, uh, now I'm forgetting his name. He has three names. He's a great actor. Fantastic. Um, uh, maybe I'm wrong about the three names. I feel like it's that guy. names. <laughs> Caleb Landry Jones is his name. Yes, Caleb Landry Jones. Correct. I love him. Yeah. Yeah. Very, 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 very pale. He has an odd look. He's Anytime got like ginger hair. Anti-hero or villain. I'm just like, yeah, this guy is going to bring it. He's going to show a person who is hurting and acting very animalistic. Yeah. I'm I'm in anytime he's in something. I'm a huge fan of that guy. Uh, and the concept of antiviral was sort of interesting too. this notion of, um, you know, I think it was, uh, uh, you know, have the virus that so-and-so has or whatever. And this sort of idea that, you know, you would, you would take on something from somebody else that could not only be dangerous to your health, but you would do it simply because, you know, a celebrity had it or something like that. Um, 
I, I think that was the concept. It's been a while since I've seen that one. I wasn't as taken with antiviral as I was with Possessor, but Possessor yeah. was a feat. It was uh, really well done. I'm I, I'm looking forward to more, and I would love it if he and his father would collaborate on a project because I think that would be mind blowing. We'll return after these messages. Hello and welcome to Culture Shocked, the pop culture podcast brought to you by four aging millennials and our outdated opinions. Join us every Tuesday as we discuss movies, TV, games, and even music, new and old. Dude, what do you think you're doing? Are you seriously trying to record a promo without us right now? Well, uh, yeah. Dude, you can't just do the promo by yourself. Who's going to listen to that? Yeah, and you probably haven't even told them that we're a pop culture podcast where we always agree on everything. Uh, for instance, the Sam Raimi trilogy easily being the best of the Spider-Man movies. J no, no. But I think we can all agree that Jaws is a classical masterpiece. Mm, nope, don't like that. But we do all agree that the sequel trilogy of Star Wars is the best in the Skywalker saga, right, guys? That comment is so ridiculous, I don't even know where to Anyways, uh, that'll do it from all of us here at Culture Shock. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Do you ever find yourself thinking about who would win in a fight between Goku and Superman? Hi, I'm James Gavsey, and on the Who Would Win show, me and my co-host Ray ignore anything important happening in the outside world and debate fictional battles between characters from comics, movies, and video games. We got a new show every week, and almost always am I the winner. Yeah, <laughs> not true, Ray. In the past, we've discussed such matches as Captain America versus Darth Vader, Solid Snake versus the Iron Giant, classic matchups like RoboCop versus Terminator, and even the Muppets versus Sesame Street. That one was crazy. So if you're a fan of geek culture and love a spirited debate, check out the Who Would Win Show wherever you get your podcasts or check us out at whowouldwinshow.com. We let things pile up in the DVR. We add them to our queues. We wait for the DVDs and Blu-rays. We time shift. The Time Shifters podcast sci-fi horror fantasy superheroes comedy action film television maybe some not so current events find us on itunes or at timeshifterspodcast.com cool thing about blind knowledge is we are in multiple countries we are worldwide all across the globe we are in the u.s we are in the uk we are in canada germany india japan we're in australia y'all blindknowledge.com now back to the feature presentation. Yeah. A lot of scanners. Mean, <laughs> yeah, and I, I think they'd get along because they're both low-budget guys. It's not like one is big budget and the other just, you know, low-budget using his dad's money, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So did you see Crash? What did you think of that? You know, I respect it. It's not really my kind of thing. And I know exactly what it's trying to say, you know, yeah. uh, describing it. It's just one of those, it goes on just so long. So I'm not like personally attuned to it, but I, 
you know, he's done so much, many other genre offerings, you know, who am I to talk shit? You know, I, he's not one who I'm going to put on as overrated or, you know, worst, worst, or, you know, hot take. He wasn't all that, you know, it, there's so many other people who, even more people who are recent, who I'm just like, yeah, you're aping this person too much, or your poor man's mm. diploma. And diploma's right, not right, poor right. man's diploma nowadays, because yeah, <laughs> uh, he was a fun guy to discuss, for instance, because he was one of those where we're like, we adore him. We can name 10 movies of his we like, but yet he's been hurting for a while. He's got so many duds that we don't want to talk about, and he doesn't want to discuss yeah. either. So yeah, uh, I, I get annoyed when I see you know, other people who are making something like Dennis Minov or Neil Blancop and people want to just judge based on the number of hits that they've done instead of just mm. actually study their work. Uh, I'm a huge David Iyer fan and I see so many who only know him from either Training Day or his infamous Suicide Squad. And I'm like, he's been working <sighs> for quite a while doing all kinds of things. So I End think of watch. Right. You know? Street Kings. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting annoying hearing people who that you know they're the same kind who if oh my god you haven't seen this and yet when you expose them then they just kind of start hanging themselves to where I'm like okay let's just stop talking right now since you're just <laughs> all this hater raid is just showing you don't know much about this person <laughs> or are acting like they can't improve because they made one movie you just don't like and I mean let's be honest the minute you do a Godzilla movie or a Marvel film, you don't have much creative control. It's the same. A filmmaker is virtually the same as a record producer. You're a main creative mm -hmm. outlet, but you are not the only one, you know, helping out. You know, we don't talk about the many gaffers or camera A or camera B, you know? Yeah. Makeup assistant uh, one through five. You know, I got to tell you, I hope that that doesn't happen to. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm sure if you've listened to some of the episodes, I'm obsessed with Adam Wingard. Like I, I'm completely yes, in love with him. I'm obsessed with him. Mm -hmm. I love all of his movies. I've like listened to all of his commentaries and, and he did Godzilla versus Kong. And I am, I'm, I'm hoping that the Adam Wingard I fell in love with still shows up in some of his other bigger budget things. Yeah. Um, but you know, I don't know. I, I love that he, did a big F you to, well, it wasn't a big F you intentionally, but I love that he went in a completely different direction with death note. I know a lot of people crapped on that version of it, but I, <laughs> I frankly loved what he did with that. And I know people crap on Blair, Witch. I, I did a great episode on not a bomb podcast about Blair, Witch, mm -hmm. which, um, you know, again, laid bare my obsession with Adam, but I thought that that was a great sequel that nobody saw you know but we digress <laughs> i mean after a while it makes you wonder who's actually watching anything because it just seems like they're just i don't know yeah people got to chill. you know i have to tell you i wish more people saw existence just because i thought that it would just take off what with gamer culture but i think that if gamers went back and looked at existence, I think they would absolutely fall in love with it. Um, it might've been a little audience, ahead of its time. Yeah. I mean, that's just cyberpunk in general. Like people, yeah, I'm seeing people act like something like Blade Runner or even fight club was ahead of the time. It's like, do your film history here, guys. 
a lot of the stuff you were loving or you've been talking about the last 20 years is generally not well liked when it first comes out yeah because either the corporate media says well it's a bomb fuck it you know and then there's others who is like oh it's good but it's not great you know and so stuff takes time to just actually love and adore and admire and like we're saying all these cult guys who are making a living i mean who's to say yeah 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 uh but yeah no cronenberg he i'm probably going to put him up there with one of my all-time favorite directors i just you know every movie i see of his i just love i love everything about it and i love that he's so intellectual yeah very nice what do you think is the most underrated uh collaboration of his like it's so wild how ivan reitman produced his earlier movies that was a fun thing to research to yeah that was kind of crazy <laughs> uh, and then yeah just utilizing howard shore for a lot of his scores and all kinds Shore of scores like are ours. beautiful um mm -hmm. and like a river uh, it just flows into your eardrums then it evaporates and then it just flows back in <laughs> a little puddle and i have to i have to admit you know um his longtime dp peter um Shushits, Sush, peter sushitsky um oh, which I by the way are disappointed you... by the lack of a shih tzu anyway <laughs> go ahead are you a fan of rocky horror yeah, it's fun. The Rocky Horror Picture Show. So yes. one of the callbacks is when because Peter Let's Shushitsky do a double feature with that and the Apple. Yes, that would be perfect. <laughs> but uh, uh, so every time Shushitsky's credit comes up because he shot the Rocky Horror Picture Show, mm -hmm. the callback is Peter's got the Shushitskys. So unfortunately, every <laughs> David Cronenberg movie that I would see where he was the DP because he's pretty much the DP for a lot of his films. I would always hear in my head, Peter's got the Shushitskis, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a, he's a great DP. Kind of like and Joey Pantoliano gets called Joey pants, Joey pants. Exactly. It's yeah. like when the nickname is stronger than your actual surname, just, just give up, just accept it. Just, just go with it. it. <laughs> Be an improv comedian. <laughs> Suggestion from the audience, please. <laughs> but uh, we were uh, a bunch of us were talking about how, a lot of the MCU movies kind of look the same mm -hmm. um, in a there, way. There's been three different YouTube videos about that. And they actually oh, yeah. had their effects guys for their YouTube channel, like brighten it up like an mm -hmm. iMovie or Final Cut. <laughs> Sorry to like, like laugh and you're just like, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, what the fuck, guys? Who's doing the yeah. color correcting? <laughs> Cheap but <and> uh, <laughs> even though his... um. Under Even budget. though Shushitsky lenses his films, they you know Cronenberg's films tend to tend to look the same, but I don't have a problem with that because they're all his universe in some ways, the Cronenberg universe. So. There you go, the Cronenberg <laughs> yeah. cinematic universe. Uh, I'll take it. Um, I'll take any one of them. I mean, it blows your mind. Half so all the time I've been doing this podcast research, it blows my mind how you can pretty much come up with a theme trilogy. We've recently been doing Spielberg themed discussions where we're actually taking movies of his that have the same kind of things. Like here's the ones where he talks about aliens. Here's the ones where he talks about war and history. And yeah. here's the one about dealing up, uh, growing up as a kid as the, that's his Spielberg's kid trilogy. But, um, <laughs> and, uh, when looking at how evil dead is technically part of the Freddie and Jason universe, how, 
uh, a lot of Joel Silver and Fox movies use the Valverde uh, country, and so that unites Alien with Die Hard and Blade Runner, yeah. among yeah. many other universes. And every other show is part of Saint Elsewhere, including Showtime, City on a Hill, and The Law and Order. Dick right. So I'm just at this point where I'm like, hey, you know studios aren't the final bearing if Cronenberg says in a commentary hey you know existence and videodrome are in the same universe I'm gonna believe it you know yeah <laughs> even if it doesn't add up it's like yeah well it's his fucking head I I believe whatever's going on in that realm is canon so yeah it is funny how just some people like to overthink this like Mike Flanagan is now is I think is adorable in this horror genre he's making miniseries become a thing again and yeah yeah, people are just overthinking whenever he's doing a fun Easter egg to an earlier movie of his or his Stephen King adaptations. And they're like, is this canon or not? I'm like, he's just being cute with you guys. You should be able right. to tell the difference between being in the same universe versus see what I did there. You know, I, and people like to do clickbait articles on it. And I'm just like, stop, stop. You're killing. The right. Fun. Yeah, I think I don't know. I never <laughs> want to be I never want to be too wedded to. You know, when wedded. people bring up things like canon and all of that, you know what I mean? It's like, why are we limiting ourselves, right? Why, yeah. I mean, why can't, I don't know. Anyway. You don't even have to put a label on it. You can just embrace it all and marathon it a bunch. So, Yeah, or do what Abrams did. Give us an alternate universe, which I think was a masterstroke when he, uh, you know, he did his Star Trek. I thought it was pretty fantastic. It's good for what it is. I mean, it yeah. was the only card they had left to play at that time. I get that. And it's been interesting how now that you bring up versions of different movies and shows, I mean, he's been able to kind of avoid most of the whole sequel syndrome. Like he didn't have to do the fly to, he didn't have to be involved with the scanner sequels, even though they have their fans and yeah. he didn't have to really get pigeonholed into anything. Like I think it's a dying breed in terms of seeing filmmakers who kind of are allowed to do their own kind of signatures. Mm. And now, you know, unfortunately, for... when you start, you have to do a Pepsi commercial and then do a giant thing, you know. Or 20 music videos and then... And now yeah. what's indie? Because there's basically mainstream indie. You're either at Sundance or an A24 film that got picked up by Apple, you know. But well, yeah. what's, what's indie now? I, you know, honestly, I... uh uh, one of my other favorite directors is Steven Soderbergh, and I just, Bingo. I just remember, you know, Sex Lies and Videotape. Just be, yeah. I I love Sto Soderbergh, and I would credit him with the whole like indie movement, just because, just because you know, Sex Lies and Videotape like just fired up, you know, the indie scene. Uh, I was but using the filmic pro around the same time he was filming it on the cameras and i would always see some stuck up prick it would be like oh filming it something on a cell phone is amateur hour and it's like maybe to you dude you gotta get with yeah. the times and soderbergh is definitely the kind who invites the camera to be in a place where you normally wouldn't put anything and he's like it's there because something's gotta go there you know like yeah i gotta look at it from this angle <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, and haywire which is an otherwise straightforward 70s revenge style spy film he'll have the camera just rotate from the bookshelf's point of view and yeah it's just like anyone else would be like 
what the fuck is this shit? And but you're right. just so used to his atypical standard, you just go along with it. And you're just like, yeah. And the bookshelf is love looking Soderbergh. <laughs> yes, I love Soderbergh. Um, you know, we'll with everything that happened, <laughs> I know everything that happened with Carano, like later, um, still doesn't soil my love for Haywire. I yeah. I've seen that movie twenty five times. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's just that just some movies are just kind of bulletproof to whatever happens later after the fact. It's like, hey, you know, I want to see someone experiment with their comfort zone because, again, every formula has been done. Uh, some people I get disappointed by, uh, that's a different story, but the, if I'm getting disappointed by them, it's because I know they can do better or that they're kind of just on their high horse. And I'm looking at you, Ridley Scott. Um, but, oh. <laughs> I said that as a fan, but uh, I, and I haven't really cared for any of Michael Mann's recent stuff, although I do still need to see his new HBO show. But it's mm. interesting how some of these guys are now again, they're getting up there in age, but they're, you know, they're still sticking to their guns. It's like this interests me. This might sound mm. similar. I might get mismarketed doesn't phase me in the least i'm just here to play the game you know talk about the movie yeah. and it seems like anytime you see cronenberg in an interview he's not here to play games you know he's not here to be like even david lynch where he's like who gives a fuck watch my movie or don't you know right and right. he's also not the kind who wants to be outspoken oh they took the movie away from me and i'm not going to disown <laughs> it and uh fuck you yeah he's he hasn't been, uh, to my knowledge, I haven't seen anything where he's been taken advantage of. Uh, we did talk about how there was a mutant cat cat death and the fly that got deleted. But yeah, everything else, it seems yeah. like his movies are pretty much on cut. He, uh, he kind of, I don't know that he even spends all that much time on makeup or effects so much as he does just uh, picking actors he loves and just playing around with them and... And that's, you know, and he's not like Tarantino where he's going to actually choke you out on his movie set. You know? <laughs> right. Exactly. It's like, hey, let's do something very morbid. You know, you know, that's the other thing that I well, first of all, not saying that other directors can't be cerebral and intellectual. But yes, you know, not, he definitely comes. A, he definitely comes across as a cinematic scholar. Right. Like. Like if if your typical Michael Bay director thinks from A to B to C to D, <laughs> you know, Cronenberg seems to think from like A to D back to B and then to C. And <laughs> I like that. I, for one, appreciate that. And um, I think it's funny in an interview, he had said something like, you know, people expect me to kill them when they meet me for the first time just because of the subject, <laughs> you know, the subject matter of his films, but yes. it's, it's assuredly the opposite. And I think in the same interviews when he said, all my movies are secret comedies. So, you know, yeah, he's, uh, he's more he's, of uh, a, fantastic. yeah, he's kind of, he likes to lead you in a maze. Yeah. He's almost like least... the tall man in Phantasm. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's going to be a while before he turns around and says, boy, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, I, he, I mean, I just think he likes to make people think. And I, I, I appreciate that because I would rather go to a movie and watch it and come out and be like, what did I just see? Why were those images put in my face versus, you know, 
Shazam one and what's going to happen with the next movie, you know, or whatever, right. or Spider-Man. What did that after credits scene mean? <laughs> I don't want to see parts two through 10. I want it to be wrapped up and I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not. It's so weird because it's like there I have like some superhero movies and then I've hated a lot of other ones and then I'm just to the point where I'm just like nothing needs over seven sequels and now I've just gotten into all other kinds of arguments so I'm just like I want it to all stand on its own wrap it up in two hours you don't need anything else same thing with tv shows I like the new format how it's now become six oh yeah to eight episodes, episodes that's it yeah yeah and you either get renewed or you don't no no more of the gotta go through 20 plus episodes in five weeks oh well I'm, I'm not gonna do that I know. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, with television, it's like Grey's Anatomy is on season 22. Oh, like, is that God. necessary? No. Right. So, but something and like The Old Man. There are some shows of mine that are in 20 episodes. I know. I know. I, I'm, I'm the same way, too. In fact, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for that Supernatural complete Blu-ray set to drop <laughs> in, in price. And I'm probably going to pick it up. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you did bring up a good point there. Uh, the old man, yeah, that was a, that was a binge. Yeah. Couldn't get enough of yeah. it. Dialogue was crackling. I, I had people sitting around the sofa who generally just get confused or don't like spy movies and are just into it. And yeah, what's funny is when it we discovered it through atypical means. It wasn't through IMDb promoting it. It wasn't through a TV commercial. It was through the radio. Oh, <laughs> oldest trick really? in the book. Wow. On the radio. And so nice. it's funny how when people discover shit, you do kind of wonder, it's like, how the hell did you get into this? Yeah. Uh, well, a friend told me about it and we our our interests mesh. And then there's other moments where you're just like, well, I like the trailer, and now I'm tired of that trend. It's like, do not rely on the trailer. The trailer like the tra- is like always <laughs> the first draft. And people are you know, whoever's editing them now is just literally going to all the juicy, shocking moments and just like, well. They gave it away. So yeah, that's why I hate. That's why I hate trailers. But and you they know, don't have with... the Lafontaine voice either. So it's like there really isn't right. any point. And I'm There's tired. No point. Of, and I'm tired of the Jordan Pill Christopher Nolan thing where they show you nothing and they're like, "Oh, so and so film." I'm like, I gotta get something. I I need to know the gimmick. What's the plot without giving it all away? And everyone likes to be a tease, and I find that worse than I don't know going to a non-topless, you know strip part <laughs> i'm just like don't do that don't don't tease and then deliver nothing and at the same time don't give it all away and then be like da da you know yeah if i had if i had my druthers i would be going into every single movie completely blind <laughs> just just being able to look at a poster and a and a cast and crew list and go right in and watch i would be extremely right. happy what are the last three <laughs> titles they've done oh my okay right first timer you know with former cinematographer of this cult filmmaker making their debut okay i'll be there <laughs> yeah i don't i don't need a trailer <laughs> so. do not need a trailer i uh, often even if i see a synopsis even if it sounds a little cliche if it just sounds like something that would be a fun Friday or Sunday movie. That is generally my driving force where I'm just like, you know, I trust you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but speaking of limited series, please, please watch 
Tokyo Vice. It's it's pretty fantastic. It's fantastic. It has it it has a slow pace, but (laughs) one I love Yakuza dramas. So oh yes, yeah, Yakuza dramas are very underrated. Uh, I didn't spring big on the battles without honor and humanity for no reason. (laughs) I love those films, and I uh yeah yeah I love Yakuza movies. Yeah. Is that how you want to say it? Yuck. Yakus. Yaks. <laughs> Starring Takshi Katano. <laughs> I demand a pinky in respect. Oh, man. <laughs> pinky promise. Um, oh, back to Cronenberg. I was going to say his sister. Denise usually does a lot of the costumes in his films. Now that and I there is he has a sister. And there, he has a sister, Denise Cronenberg. I thought it was his wife. And then I was like, nope, not his wife. <laughs> um, and then the other unsung hero who I believe passed away, unfortunately, mm. is um, on on almost all of his films. The art designer slash production designer is Carol <sighs> Spire. Shit. So and was this recent want, or about 10 years ago? Uh uh why did I maybe she hasn't died. Why did I think she died? I thought she passed away. I think someone Cronenberg related did pass away, but I'm just trying to think. But Carol Spire is an amazing production designer. Um she even did production design for Blade 2 um when Del Toro hey, was directing. A Canadian connection. There you go. Yeah. She's she's fantastic. I love her. Um, let's... So she's used to filming in all kinds of places that look like Romania. Or, you know. Yes. Man. Good homework. Uh, uh, no, I think she's still alive. So I guess, sorry if I gave everybody a heart attack. Carol Spire is not dead. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah. Looks like she looks like she did the production design Complaint for Crimes of the drum. Future. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, the Carol Spire death hoax um, started by me can now end. <laughs> 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 but yeah, he uh, Cronenberg, you know, even behind the camera and in front of camera, there's a bunch of actors that he's he repeats with and has them routinely in casts. Um, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, he's great. Well, I'm just glad he made it a reality, you know, because there's so many yeah. who just, again, just kind of wait too long for an opportunity. And it's like, hey, you know, someone's got to go in the can. You know? Yes. <laughs> he definitely uh, isn't anyone who goes by limitations. I can't say that at all. Yeah, he. uh uh he just goes for it i think uh, it, it, it what's to be appreciated i think is that he just really does go for broke um i'm pretty sure there's many a holly uh many an executive who's like do we really need to have the boner popping out of the typewriter do we really need to have the sphincters talking on the cockroaches <laughs> and he more than likely is like yes uh, or i will walk if you take away my talking if sphincters. you give me one more note yeah 
but he must have said it in more of a way like i'll take it out and then he put it back in and then he puts it back in i think he might have done a brian de palma and scarface on that one he's like sure (laughs) oh my goodness (laughs) now we we've done our first episode of all versions of where we track alternate cuts of various movies and we just started decided to start off with uh uh slept on we had slept on cinema as the guest and we decided let's joke about um how robocop how many just <laughs> different tv and local cable versions there are of this damn film <laughs> mm, yeah, Even yeah, yeah in the press release there's different sh- like angles of certain shots that were meant to be in the trailer but aren't in the movie <laughs> yeah uh, and we got that was a different out. time yeah and uh <laughs> Was it kind of blowing your mind when you realized how, you know, Verhoeven was channeling the same kind of just gruesome as well as uh, sexual politics that Cronenberg often finds himself in? (laughs) But, you know, so the thing is, is that I, I don't know. I don't I don't really ever remember other than Crash. I don't ever remember David Cronenberg being um punished as much as Verhoeven was um like when Verhoeven almost did total recall believe it or not yeah and actually he um was attached at one point to direct basic instinct to risk addiction uh, thank um, god he it, didn't have to do that one <laughs> well i would have loved to have seen his take on that but um yeah i'm sure it so, would have been fine it's just yeah, you know, just seeing how bad it went. You know, it's just well, I think there's a reason he unattached himself. But, mm. but like I said, um, I, I think <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen Cronenberg get punished in the press or by critics the way that Verhoeven did. Um, yeah, I think Verhoeven and, you know, was just so like turning a blind eye. He should have always had his shields up while also just thinking, hey, you know. Maybe I can save this for my next movie when I get a little more, you know, love. <laughs> yeah. I, everyone I think... likes to unleash everything. They like to have all the rabbits out of the hat. It's like, eh, just keep a few more surprises for your next magic trick. Yeah, it's interesting. You have to wonder if you wonder, you have to wonder if Verhoeven was a victim of his own sort of, um, I guess ego is really the way the way to do it, right? I mean, he he gets he gets the success of like RoboCop and you know Total Recall and all of this stuff, and I guess he was just thinking bigger and bigger and Producers more commercial. Must have just loved all the gore and nudity and not even yeah. paying attention to the satire or gags that everyone else knows that you know. And right. I mean, you already guys already summed up what does or doesn't work about. Uh, you know, showgirls, and it's just interesting hearing how I think everyone even is, is just soured on even satire. You know, you, you see so many other people like Luke Passan who are like, who gives a fuck, you know, and then there's other yeah. people who are even worse than Nolan or uh, David Lynch, where they're just like, I will just keep stomping my foot until you fuck off. And then <laughs> I don't know how anyone really responds to anything, especially now in a post internet world where everyone wants a hot take everyone wants to piss off the other what do you do yeah <laughs> pop quiz hot shot what do you do and what do you like, do oh, <laughs> uh it's it's something else yeah uh i don't know do you so do you have a ranking 
Do you have like a top five of Cronenberg's? Ooh, okay. Uh, okay. So the fly dead ringers existence is free. And uh, I'll put the Zed zone in there. And mm. um, you know, uh, uh, history of violence, definitely. And there you go. <laughs> Hmm. Okay. So, uh, okay. I can't believe I didn't prepare, even though I asked you for the for the it's top fine, five. Dude. I'm used to doing shit on the fly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, let's see. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I think Videodrome. I think that one <laughs> That's is your go-to. must have. I it's it's fetishistic it's violence it's sex it's it's uh freakish it's it's like what the freaking (laughs) horrific penetrations (laughs) like it's all there I love it um so definitely that one do you think he's going Uh, all William freaking there yeah uh possibly possibly (laughs) I video so the weird thing about Videodrome is, is I would love to see a remake of it because, you know, <laughs> cathode ray technology for television, it was so ingrained in its like message and long live the new flesh. But that whole idea about, you know, the television and skewing <laughs> your reality and perception, like I think it could be redone. I think it would be fabulous. Oh, I definitely have to put it'll melt your brain and then some. Yes, exactly. Um, but then also just the notion of like, I mean, remember when we had those weird public broadcast television shows and mm-hmm. and hosts would come to fame <laughs> doing all these weird things. And, um, you know, it really tapped into that. That's sort of like you're seeing something you shouldn't be seeing kind of thing. I think that's kind of tantalizing and exciting. So, but every time I go back to video drama, I, I I'm always like, wow, this is just fantastic. I'm definitely going to put Crash on there. Um, I uh, <laughs> checked out the works of J.G. Ballard. I remember this being booed at con. I remember it being like sex and car crashes or people turned on by cars. And uh, I don't know if you if you think about like, you know, the nature of fetish and what is a sexual fetish and. And then just technology and where things are going. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. For whatever reasons, it spoke to me. I'm not saying I rub up on cars or anything like that, or I try to <laughs> get into crashes, <laughs> but it really spoke to me. Um, let's see. Now I want to see what your version of this movie might be. Uh, uh, definitely The Fly. I would definitely put that on there. That's three. Uh, I've got two more. Existence, okay. uh, most most definitely existence. Um, I want my own game pod so that I can like flick the nipple and and watch it squeal as I palm it and touch it. Um, <laughs> I, uh, as you can see, I I really really do love Cronenberg and his films, but existence in particular. I mean, the gristle gun, the bio ports, and the you know her fingering Jude Law's little bioport thing. And I, I don't know. I just, I found it fascinating and the umby chords. It and, kind of goes back to what uh, video games are it. supposedly doing, where it's just like, you know, they're like porn where they're basically making you do all this stuff that and takes away the naughty urge to commit it in real life. Yeah. So if anything, yeah. maybe they should teach it at every 
video game course. <laughs> I, well, I think they should. I, like we'll I said, I think majors. that's. I'd do it. Yeah, totally. I, I, I think that that is a, <laughs> an unsung David Cronenberg, um, movie existence, and it's very relevant now, especially the gamer culture. And I want to see, I want to see a revival. I want to see, um, rescreenings of that part two. <laughs> I know they did talk about either a remake or sequel, if I'm memory serves but i don't know that you could re i don't know that you could remake it though i mean no i'm just saying uh, i thought you know it'd be cool if you did a stargate outer limits type tv show version or 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 even if it was a sequel or something but like i remember seeing it in the theater and just wondering about things like why does that just say gas and why does that just say like chinese food or whatever you know what i mean and then it all just comes together i mean it was great. It was great. Um, ah, two more. Dead Ringers. I every time I see Dead Ringers, I just it destroys me. Like I feel so sad for them. Um, or him, the one, the one twin. It's just the one, <laughs> the one twin. Um, but I don't know what was so effective about Dead Ringers was you know just this aspect about the twins and being connected and. And and that you think sort it's of, more of a drama or more of a sci-fi movie? Dead Ringers. Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely more. Of, I think Dead Ringers is definitely more of a drama. Um, but I think they really tapped into this, this sort of. I think twins can be sort of in their own universe in some ways because they share that incredible special bond. Um, you know, just being that close. I've known some twins. Um, and for that to go awry, for one to sort of turn on the other or to feel like the other has turned on him, like that just that really gets to me. And and um what, what they put, intended. you know, he's not trying to be breezy, but he's trying to show just various loss. Yeah. Yeah. And it's can't have one without the other. Yeah, I can't have one without the other. And I think that was I, I don't know. It was just very I loved it. I loved it. It's great. Um, oh, now I have to put on a fifth here, and I just really don't know. Because um, here's like, the thing about the, like here's the thing. I do like a history of violence, but is the it thing an action about movie? The ah, uh, the know, argument he does crime movie or action movie, and I'm just like it's kind of both, but because the ending, but at the same time, he's it's an anti-violent movie like Unforgiven. So what is it? It is, and you know what? Maybe I maybe that will be my fifth one. Quite honestly, because. <laughs> My my take on a history of violence is, um, in a way, it's it's like a personal horror film, actually, um, because you're the second person told me that Jason said the same thing, and I kind of thought the same thing. Uh, and what's funny is I saw it on Spike TV, and he was okay. like, "Oh, what did they cut out?" I'm like, "Well, obviously, aside from the you know, we love each other as husband and wife, they do cut out the opening where the innocent person is you know cornered in in a corner and killed by the two cleaners and yeah uh but and he's like and a child dies that is true too but what's wild is he's like did they cut the ending i'm like no pretty much mostly on cut but did they include the 69 (laughs) well no did so do i don't know if you know this but um if you listen to the commentary for history of violence that (laughs) is the now, this is weird, and I have not done the research, although I feel like I should, but Cronenberg says that's the first time that the act, the sexual act of 69 
has been committed to celluloid and put in a mainstream film. I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I haven't done the research. But so the reason why I think History of Violence is a horror film is because it's not only a horror film for the Viggo Mortensen character because he's trying to run away from from his past and he can't right mm -hmm. he cannot get away from that but it's also a horror film for the family because they had one view of the father and there's this earth shattering revelation that he's not who he is and right. that whole ambiguous who is ending our dad? who is this man that whole again? ambiguous ending is fantastic every time i watch the movie i have a different like okay when the when the film cuts here's what happened right i go from he kills everybody to they live happily ever after to you know uh he and the son run off and become assassins for some other outfit i don't know i also I like, like to that idea. <laughs> i also like to think that the hit that character is the character from eastern promises that <laughs> right uh, so you know? what we need is one more vigo uh, crime movie from i know i know <laughs> yeah so that would be my five that would be my five <laughs> crimes of the future maybe maybe i i think i have to watch it a little bit more so i'm sure <laughs> i did like vigo in that though vigo was fantastic and oh, actually yeah. now that now that i think about it i think i think vigo is the only actor that has been a lead in more than two films by Cronenberg because <laughs> Sounds about right. Irons Irons was in Dead Ringers and um uh M Butterfly um who else repeated I'm sorry yeah, yes yeah Jeremy Irons yeah you've definitely had some other minor Canadian oh actors. shit and Oh shit! And Vigo was actually in a dangerous method. I forgot he had the Freud mm -hmm. nose on. So he's definitely he's been in like three or four of his. So who would yeah, you like you to love see him reunite with? Um, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. I'd go. like to see him uh, do something with Jeff Goldblum again. <laughs> uh, he basically found these people all at the right time in their careers because, like, yeah, I think so. I think so. Any I wonder if movies? he would do any. I wonder right. if he would do anything with James Woods. <laughs> he is Twitter. James Woods is Twitter chaos in, in a nutshell. Oh, yeah. Um, by the way, I have a question for you. Did you ever see Fast Company? I, I That was one I meant to see. I did not see it in time. I, I need to. And uh, Jason was very annoyed by it. Uh, what, what What's your take on it? I know. It's showing actual dangerous stuff and i think that's what he was grossed out by is like it was real because they wanted to go for it and it's like that kind of contradicts the movie but uh mm. what's your take on it <laughs> you mean in terms of the race car stuff yeah just actually yeah. kind of going through the whole thing and putting people in actual jeopardy just to yeah. say a message about jeopardy um do you think it overall kind of lands its point or is it a little heavy-handed early well b-movie curiosity yeah i mean it's it, it does play like a b-movie and you know some people wonder like because he went from shivers to rabid to fast company and then back to the brood back into the body horror but i think it fits into his over in the respect that when he does segue into drama mm -hmm. um 
he can play those elements because that's really all Fast Company is. It's it's a drama, but it's also a very it, for something from 1979. It's an interesting indictment of over corporate America and the commercialization of sports. Mm. Um, and uh, for that, I mean, John Saxon's in it. There's also um, uh, William Smith. Um, yeah, he's he's a <laughs> great actor. Um, Nicholas Campbell, who also cropped up in a ton of David Cronenberg flicks. Um, yes. But I have to tell you, I mean, I I kind of dug the movie. It never got U.S. distribution. It's a fast 90 minutes. It's on HBO Max if anybody wants to see it. Um, but if you want to see Cronenberg just doing like a straight drama with no crazy frills or body horror or any like, you know, <laughs> aha, here's a twin and and the other person could get right. ruined. It's um it, it's a, it's interesting. I still think it fits in because later when he does things like M Butterfly and Crash, he has that foundation, you know? Intriguing. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It's not all parasites, sex parasites and gore for David. <laughs> As much yeah. as we want it to be. Right? <laughs> very cool, very cool. Um, All right. I will have to watch it. I'm sorry. I did not make time. Uh, yeah, but... no, no, no. It's, uh, I was surprised. I uh, I actually own it. I have the Blue Underground um, DVD. It was gifted to me when I was part of the Gentleman's Guide for uh, Midnight Cinema to Midnight Cinema. They had like a Kringle thing where they did You're like lucky. Secret Santa. <laughs> yeah, and it was one of the movies that I ended up getting from my uh, secret secret gentleman. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> wow. And <laughs> going to town here. <laughs> we just got schooled. Um, where can we find you on the web and what do you have coming up on your show? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we are, um, uh, we can be found on Instagram and Twitter, watch skip plus. Uh, you can email us at watch skip plus um, all the words spelled out. No punctuation at gmail.com. Um, our main website is anchor.fm backslash watch hyphen skip mm -hmm. um, Thursday tomorrow. If I finish editing it, we have the death by DVD boys coming back on. They were on our Halloween ends episode and the four of us talk about Luca Guadagnino's bones and all starring uh, Timothee Chalamet and um, Taylor Russell and uh, nice. Mark, Mark Rylance. That was actually a really, really good discussion, especially considering that Harry apparently did not like Mr. Guadagnino's remake of Suspiria or reimagining of Suspiria, if we're going to call it that. <laughs> um, I frankly love it. I've, I've, I've probably seen the movie five times. And if you consider that the movie is two hours and like 45 minutes, that's a lot of time out of my life, but, but well worth it. If you ask me. <laughs> yeah, you do have to, some of these can be like five months in the making and it's tough to explain to people. It's like, okay, and this is for Halloween or, and this is the Christmas episode. <laughs> be patient. Right. <laughs> right. So yeah, that should be releasing tomorrow actually <laughs> or Thursday, but um, yeah. And then uh, I'm not even really sure what we're doing next after that. The great, the great thing about, uh reviewing things that are either new or 
or the uh, that are new theatrically or new streaming is there's usually a lot to pick and so we don't have a set a set review schedule so we can change it on a dime which is kind of fun so yeah totally and it's cool to know that you got some freedom going around <laughs> yeah oh and we're on facebook too apparently i'm not on facebook but justin my co-host is on facebook so <laughs> even better yeah <laughs> so um uh what's your summary of just kind of the podcast world right now it just seems like so many um uh, people are just finding different formulas and where to go and everything. And uh... Yeah, I think, well, so when Justin and I first started, um, we obviously understood that it, it's a daunting sort of world to break into. There's so many podcasts. I mean, Lindsay Lohan is doing a podcast, okay? So every, everybody's <laughs> doing one. Kiki started her podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Who? Kiki Palmer just started her own podcast. Oh, Okay. Um, so yeah, every, everybody's getting in the game and I think it's about, um, you know, distinguishing yourself maybe by a format or by the personalities like, like yours, um, and, and just making sure, you know, just that you're producing content that, that people want to come back and listen to and and that they want to come back and listen to you, you know? So, um, we're just a baby. I think we have like, we only have 15, (laughs) 15 episodes or so, but, we hope to keep going a la our brother podcast in arms, um, not a bomb and gentleman's guide to midnight cinema. So we're, we're friends with uh, uh, their hosts and they often guest and we guest on their shows. So it's, it's nice. This podcast community. That's the other thing too, is uh, I, I have yet to have any sort of like weird rival stuff like, well, your <laughs> show is this and we're not going to guest because you said this and the, there's none of that. Like the podcast community is very, very inviting. Uh, yeah, because on Facebook, I would see people joke around. Oh, my God. You know, what did you say this about this movie or that movie? It's like, just listen or don't. You know, don't pretend yeah. to listen. Don't listen to one and be like, I'm a fan. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know what? If you don't want to listen to my podcast, I'm sh- sure there's a podcast out there that will tell you what you want to hear. But <laughs> yeah, no but it's all good. It's, it, it's all good. It's uh, I don't know. I love doing it. That's my creative outlet. So it's good. Thank you ever so much for being on here and yeah. let's keep in touch. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you so much. It was very nice to meet you and see you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. We can yes. actually see each other here on the podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up review show.